0: I make
1: is Pamela Coon, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. As a singer, I realize all too well the need to fully embrace a song, to be able to satisfy my own yearning to fulfill the roadmap and inner language of the music in front of me. I was fortunate to grow up with grandparents who were all too ready to sing around the piano after dinner. Singing was as natural as the bread that we ate. Everyone joined in, and the brilliance that helped shape me as an artist was the fact that no one held back. There was a level of musical talent in my family that contained a natural recognition of what made music tick. The sensitivity to musical language of every genre was ripe. There was a time when this was a treasured ritual, and it meant that musical cultures were shared. It was a means of actively tearing down walls with an understanding that we were all equal within the sphere of musical notes and words. It was the foundation of equitable understanding of ethnic art without judgment, and music in all its forms was the equalizer. As I have spoken about so many times on my show, this is the path to finding honesty in music and verse without pretense just straight to the soul. My guests today have carried this tradition on. Jazz singer Kate McGarry came from a musical family who celebrated their Irish tradition of music making. As NPR says of her, she is a jazz artist, but she is hard to pin down. She draws on the music of her youth to inspire her, from the Irish tunes of her family's roots to musical theater to pop songs. Those musical evenings of her youth spawned a wonder and richness in her career. She is recognized as a singer who has lived many lives, as a distinguished jazz musician garnering seven brilliantly received CD recordings and three Grammy nominations. But jazz isn't her only arena. She traversed a meditation ashram, exploring the uniqueness of Brazilian, Celtic, and Indian genres all contributing to her richly fleshed-out voice. From Los Angeles to New York City, the release of her debut album, Show Me, was declared as near perfection. She has since performed on some of the most recognizable stages of the world, from Carnegie Hall to Lincoln Center and Birdland to the Berlin and Newport Jazz Festivals. Collaborating with her is her husband, guitarist, composer, producer, and arranger, Keith Gantz. They have recently produced A New and Brilliant Child, a new release called What to Wear in the Dark on the Resilience Music Alliance label. It is a compilation of songs to inspire us through dark times, the pandemic, and the personal losses that we have all experienced in the last few years. Well, I have both of them today with me on center stage, and I am thrilled to welcome singer Kate McGarry and the very talented Keith Gantz to center stage. So guys, tell me, am I right in my intro? Is it the music that is shared when we are young that make us who we are as performers?
0: Yes. uh, First of all, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. And I loved hearing about how that uh, happened in your family because it just felt so much how my upbringing was. We were really... Came to each other through music and it was a, a way to uh, let go of the threat and the friction of the day and find a place of meeting and, and different kinds of music. My parents loved the Mills brothers and loved classical music and loved different jazz composers and Irish music. So there was really a real mixture of different kinds of music happening and all of it came together for us in our living room or out on the back porch in summer times, and and we would all find a, a voice. And there was that kind of democracy where everybody's voice counted.
1: I love that. I love that. You know, the Mills Brothers, it doesn't get any better. I grew up with the Nelson Riddle Orchestra and all the greatest arrangements in the world. And and Keith, I'm I'm sure your ears are resonating with that. But it's interesting how when we make music as families and it it dissolves inhibitions and the intense sharing is
0: so unique and profound, isn't it, Kate? It really is. I think there's something really healing about it. For us, 12 people in one small house was quite a task to get through three meals and and just living without killing each other, and we really found music to be the thing that, uh, a place where we would just smooth out all the the rough edges and and find love for each other and acceptance. Mm. And that personal,
1: personal kind of idiom. Keith, did you have the same experience growing up?
2: Uh, No, actually, it's interesting listening to this, because I had a very different experience, Mm. and hearing some of the things that you're both saying you got from that, made me think, hmm, now it makes sense why I'm not that way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, I grew up in a small family, and my parents weren't musicians and didn't really listen to music around the house. And I grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina, which was a very kind of mainstream suburb and pretty mundane existence back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, My older brother was in a a rock band in high school, and, and they would rehearse in our basement. Mm. And that's where I first really exposed to live music and heard some things that I liked and went and bought a tape by the band Rush, which was oh, from yeah. one of the songs they played. Mm-hmm. And that was a window into this whole big new world that felt they you know, like the opposite of mundane, you know, it just felt like anything was possible. So that's what launched me into my wow. uh, exploration of music. It was a very, almost a solitary exploration. That's really interesting. Uh, a strong contrast. Yeah. yeah.
1: But that must have been explosive for you, that kind of awakening at that point.
2: Yeah, definitely. It just opened this, you know, it was like a, a hallway just opened up that wasn't there and I don't know that I knew that that's what I would be doing 30 years later, but that's pretty much all I've done since.
1: Isn't it a gift that that turned out for you as a living? You know, I'm only going yeah. down this road, uh, both of you, because I find that um, there's a, a, a personal honesty in music and th- that great artists like yourselves find. And what I love about your music, you're touching on so many different genres, really. You bring so much in. It's like like a great chef, you know, putting a little spice here and, and a, mm-hmm. a, a dash of that uh, there. You know, I, I find this really interesting. You have so much color in your work. Kate, is, you. is, is this something that you really wanted to develop for the arc of your career?
0: You know, for me, each song, a deep narrative or connection to my feels to have the music, you know, be an outpicturing of that feeling and of that really visceral or somatic experience in the body. It's, mm-hmm. The task is, well, how do you turn that into sound? And that's where... I feel like my partnership with Keith has been so, so fortunate. And also, it was really the way that these would happen is that i come to him with a story and a narrative in it, and ideas, sometimes arrangements mm-hmm. that were somewhat fleshed out. And there's something about how he translates things both in the studio and in, in his own playing as a guitarist that kind of brings in and meets that story and finds a way to you know, help uh, turn that into sound, Mm -hmm. feeling into sound. So Mm -hmm. it's very much, he's got a lot of the chef Mm -hmm. duties
1: there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh I love this. So, so Keith, maybe this can be your question, you know, in your new CD, what to wear in the dark. I find this so fascinating, you know, coming through COVID. I know this project has been 10 years in the making, uh, what was the genesis of this grouping of songs? I mean, I know programming means a lot to me, and I'm obviously to, to both of you as well. Uh, can you, you know, take us through this in this new CD recording?
2: Sure. As far as like the grouping of the songs, I'm not sure that we had, you know, we didn't start knowing that it was going to be this group of songs. Kate had the idea for, I think, Feeling Groovy was the first song yes. about mm-hmm. 10 years ago that she came up with the arrangement for. And just over over the past 10 years, there's just been all these kind of epic arrangements that, that came up that when we were playing live, we w- might play one of them in a set or two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but usually when we play live, we like to do a decent amount of jazz and some standards and some of our arrangements of standards and Brazilian, you know, a, a mix of things. And, and these songs, we had all these kind of epic arrangements of these major songs from the 70s and 60s that would be like the one big anthem for that set or something Mm -hmm. and as we in these 10 years we recorded like three other albums but these were all kind of like I don't know they didn't fit on those records they felt like their own thing and then we finally got to the point during the pandemic where we took all these songs and we're like okay what you know what is this record going to be and listened to a recording session we had done in 2017 and thought about the other arrangements we'd done and these songs all kind of felt like one big piece together and it's kind of different from the past where we would put like one of these songs in a set and then this thing became all of these kinds the whole thing was these big you know really arranged adventures on these really <laughs> famous songs and so instead of like the one end it was like nothing but these big epics
1: I love and we that. even
2: like we had planned to do uh a standard "Pennies from Heaven" we had recorded because we usually do one standard, and it just didn't feel like it fit. It just felt like that's what this record was about—was the really intense arrangement that we worked on and refined over live gigs for a really long period of time until we really got them to tell the story how we wanted to.
1: I love that the adventure of all this. I love that you two. Well, I'd like my listeners mm-hmm. to listen to one of your songs right now. That means a lot to me personally, and that's a Beatles song. Here comes the sun. Uh, Kate, can you k- set us up for this and what the inspiration was for the choice
0: of this particular song? Yes, this was a song that actually uh, was a co- commission, right from some of our fans who really wanted us to take a song that they love and turn it into something new and we felt that it really reflected the time that we were coming into Mm -hmm. where all bets were off in terms of reality and who knows what's going to happen but looking ahead wanting to feel optimism and knowing that at some point things will change we took this song and and redid it and came up with something that I think is very fresh so we hope your listeners enjoy it
1: I think that's fantastic so to my listeners this is Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles and our performers are Kate McGarry and the Keith Gantz Ensemble
0: Seems like years since it's been here. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I see it's all right. It's all right. Come. San, san, san. Here it comes. Here it comes.
1: So just for fun guys, how did you two meet? I'll maybe let Keith take that first.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah, we we did meet on a gig. With a bass player Sean Smith, who is on who is on that track, "Here Comes the Sun," he's on four tracks of the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just like a little standards gig at a restaurant in New York City, and you know we just hit it off musically right away. You know it was just we looked at each other and we we're like, okay, yeah, we're on the same wavelength. We, we were both with other people with partners at that time, mm-hmm. so it was kind of just a musical thing. And but then over the next year. We played a few gigs together, and then one day we ended up on a gig where we had to drive to the gig, and we got to talking a little bit, and it turned out we were both no longer with other people. And a few months later, we were married.
1: That's so cool, <laughs> Kate. That sounds so efficient. I guess <laughs> uh,
2: we we got together to. We were like, we should get together and play something. So we we got together one day, thinking that we would play some jazz standards, and and when we got there we both were like, Hey, do you know uh you know, this Ricky Lee Jones song or do you know this Richard Julian song? You know, and we ended up just playing all these singer songwriter tunes that we both loved and I think coming from the New York jazz scene and being so immersed in jazz and not mm-hmm. really having an outlet mm-hmm. for all this other music that we loved, it was just kinda of like this arrival of like, Oh wow, this could be <laughs> this could be the outlet for all this all this other music that we haven't been Playing all this time, and and that's really just kind of exploded yeah. into you know what our our thing still is now.
0: I love that right. Uh, a meeting musically. place,
2: yeah. a meeting
0: place of of jazz and and folk and singer songwriter, and and that's that's something we we both right really shared that. That's so That's fantastic. For both of the music.
1: Yeah. You know, I I don't know a lot of opera singers that can live together without killing each other. So I reckon for you guys <laughs> to have lasted this long and done this well, you're on to something. This thing, Keith, is a good thing. Okay?
0: <laughs> I love it.
2: We do have a second a second little house or Kate goes to sing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just throw that out there. So
0: we, we have a little. There's a little cottage right nearby that's uh, I use for a studio where I can teach and I can <laughs> I can practice because my my practicing gets pretty loud and I think at some point we realized. Uh, it was for the benefit of the relationship and all parties involved. We kind of made a separate workspace. Let's call that
1: the safe house, you know. Kate, I want to talk to you about your singing because, um, you know, as a singer myself, yeah. I, I'm always looking for what I call honesty and vocal sound. Your voice varies mm-hmm. so much. You you can play your instrument, I I would say, very much like a violin. You know, you can add the vibrato when you feel you need it. You can add the warmth and then you can keep it a little drier. I understand that you also mm. teach. Um, how how mm. did you come to that? I mean, how did you find a real need to share with others what you have?
0: Right. I, I didn't actually start teaching till I was in my mid-40s, and because I really wanted to, I didn't want to lead people down the wrong <laughs> the wrong path, and, and I really wanted, I, I really take that very seriously, you know, mm-hmm. um, teaching someone else. But my teacher uh, Lavetri, who who pioneered a kind of uh, voice work called somatic voice work. Mm-hmm. She has a beautiful kind of pedagogy that is very safe and it's about vocal function and it, and it, it really helps people who want to sing other uh, kinds of music besides classical music to be able to safely develop their chest register and their head register and mix, and to relieve constriction and just keep the voice flexible and strong and mitigate different problems as they mm. come up. Mm. So that's been the real key for me is learning the best teachers are also students, you know. Mm. So I'm always a student and uh,
1: Definitely. also a teacher. <laughs> Definitely. I know you've spoken quite honestly about a potentially dangerous vocal injury you experienced. I mean, singer to
0: singer. Can can we talk about this? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I think the stigma that so many singers and that I myself felt uh, at the beginning is something that should be addressed and we should be relieved of that. Just the way that any athlete can be injured in the course of doing their work because Mm -hmm. elite behaviors are taxing to the system and it is possible to get injured and We shouldn't have shame about that and we should be able to reach out. Sometimes that keeps people from getting the help that they need and to know that just like a basketball player could turn his ankle or, or hurt his knee or do something like that, singers in the course of their their very athletic work can injure their voices. And it's great to have a team of people that can help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to do voice care and was able to get some really amazing help. And Sineel Vetri also really helped me. And since I went through my own rehabilitation, I've been able to help others to hopefully avoid similar fate. One of the main things is really about the speaking voice, mm-hmm. because at the time, uh, my speaking voice was a little bit more sort of like this. And in using your speaking voice, oftentimes the singing voice can be greatly affected by your speaking voice. So if you're talking down here without, you know, a lot of air underneath That's it, right. or you don't have support or it's very taxing on the voice. So that was one thing I didn't know. I didn't know about the connection between speaking and singing and, and also just life. I went through a part of my life where losing my voice, was, it was a mirror of a part of myself that I needed to go and, and retrieve and find and heal. And the voice was the journey that allowed that to happen. Wow. Um, well so it was a spiritual as well as a physical journey. And I came out all the better for it. This is yeah. so well said and well explained because it is so
1: simply true. The the normal person on the street doesn't realize what singers go through and and how how yeah. the singing voice is an extension of speech. But you know, normal people don't <laughs> really think about their own voices, you know, and the breath underneath them and and the support for it. Um, Kate, can I just ask you right. specifically? Were you, were you
0: looking at a vocal nodule? Was it just swelling in the cords? Uh, uh, no, it was actually a vocal cord hemorrhage, and oh. it uh, it actually came about from, I was dealing with an actual sports injury from tennis, and the doctor prescribed a very, very high dosage of Advil over the course of two weeks, and they... I didn't know, and they didn't know mm-hmm. that that can predispose a singer to a vocal cord hemorrhage because it bends the blood, and that was the beginning of it. And it was one of those perfect storms where um, so many things, different things were contributing to it, but that was the last straw. I did have a vocal cord hemorrhage, and then subsequently a number of other ones until I, I had to have a surgery. Kind of, it was like a, a laser uh, mm-hmm. surgery that cauterized that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very common. And dealt uh, with. Yes, right. Adele has had that. John Mayer has had that. Many, mm-hmm. many singers have have gone through that, but it can cause uh, lasting damage. And, and there was a point at which I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to sing professionally anymore. Um, I just had to really keep going and i think that was when the support of my health team and my teacher and dear friends really got me through and of course he um really you know just stayed with me and kept helping me to go forward and not just give up but yeah so this is all part yeah yeah, of the record it's really part of the music that is on this record because that was the dark night of the soul that i was dealing with Mm -hmm. and much of the music that came out from dealing with and facing those kind of questions, who are you? Mm-hmm. If you're not identifying yourself, um, being able to sit with not knowing and sit with things that are feel scary and feel alone and find connection to something greater in yourself and a place where you know that you are supported and you know that you realize you're worth and mm-hmm. you're, that you're loved. Just just as you are, not for being something in particular.
1: Because we as singers identify with being a singer. That's our relevance. Right. You know, it's interesting when faced with any kind of vocal trauma, and of course just by nature of that and we're sensitive souls being musicians we can make the yeah. trauma worse. And it sounds to me like you had the most brilliant team and, and that's so wonderful your your voyage of of self-discovery through it. But you're right to bring up the stigma about being afraid to talk about this because it, it's exactly right. We're like athletes anyway and if there's a problem it needs yeah. to be addressed and it doesn't need to be hidden because there are so many of us who need to hear about the healing possibilities. So Bravo to you for wanting to go on and carry the mantle and teach and make things right for mm-hmm. others and and being strong mm-hmm. enough to talk about this.
0: Oh, thank you, Pamela. And I appreciate you giving voice to it. It sounds like you've carried that same flame of let's let go of the stigma oh. and shame and get each other help. And isolation is really... The main culprit there, you know, mm-hmm. people can't get better if they can't get help. That's right. That's right, and they have to admit a problem
1: first. Um, well, this is the right. perfect time then to hear your voice again, and I would like to listen to yeah. another selection from your CD, from "What to Wear in the Dark." And this is actually the old-time standard, "Dancing in the Dark." You know, Kate, I feel there is a nod to Kurt Vile in this arrangement. It feels quite dark. Can you set this Mm. up for us? Yes. This
0: song was kind of, it was coming from a place of when four things, almost like a movie where you're looking at something before everything goes wrong and Hmm. the naivete of, you know, of before times and then Mm -hmm. how you just have to move into and find life unraveling and maybe presenting you with so many challenges and you just have to dance with them. So the beginning of it really starts very, very simply with just uh, myself and Gary Versace on accordion, uh, duetting in a very, very old, kind of old-fashioned way. You've said it so well.
1: So everyone, this is Dancing in the Dark with singer Kate McGarry.
0: Looking for the light of a new
1: I have listened to you guys talk so beautifully about your music making process. Um, Kate, I've, I've watched your maturation process in my research for you. As a, a woman, you seem to have become more beautiful with time. There's a visual statement of confidence. And I'm telling you right now, guys, I will buy your CD just because I love the cover. The photo is so incredible. Thank
0: you! Wow, hey, thanks so much. You've got That's this, David Goddard, who's the photographer there. You know.
1: It's a really interesting comment, and I think both of you daring to embrace the dark, and then, for instance, the Beatles song, you know, "Here Comes the Sun." I think there's a beautiful kind of balance that you're seeking to to help all of us heal uh, through the time of the pandemic, and you know where we're going with music after this. It's really exciting. I have to say, I love it. I absolutely love it, and I wish you all the luck in the world with this recording. Where Thank you. where where to from here,
2: Keith? Ah, that's a good question. We're trying to learn what the, you know, landscape for professional musicians and for touring musicians or once touring musicians is going to be in the future, really. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at the moment, we haven't done really any touring this whole time through COVID. And we're still kind of trying to figure out what we're comfortable with and what the opportunities are. And don't really know what what's next, honestly,
0: This
2: mm-hmm. is yeah. kind of a mammoth project, and we're trying to figure out what's next for us now, actually.
1: Mm-hmm. But the important thing is that both of you stay with your honesty. I want everyone to seek out both of these, these wonderful performers and definitely look for their new CD release, What to Wear in the Dark. Kate and Keith, you have so much to offer to the world, but I want to thank you for being on center stage. You've given me a ray of hope. I feel the
0: sun coming. Wow. <laughs> oh, thank you, Pamela. you are Your questions have been so thoughtful and and engaging us on such a deep level. We really, really appreciate that. Thank you. I love it, too. And to all my listeners, I hope you'll
1: visit Center Stage with com for more information on my shows. And, of course, you will hear this interview posted at that site and also at WGCH.com for WGCH Talk Radio, Greenwich, Connecticut. This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is now down. On center stage.
0: Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I see it's all right.